Take your Bibles and turn to 1 Peter. Will you please this morning? 1 Peter chapter 1. How are you doing with your living stones? You carrying them with you? Are you being reminded of who we are and whose we are? Peter tells us you yourselves like living stones are being built up as a spiritual house. To be a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And you and I are included in that verse. God has designed us for himself, and he has designed us so that we might give him glory. And we do it in a variety of ways. I am so thankful for the living stones who serve in the nursery, aren't you? God has specially gifted them. That is not my gift. I am so thankful for those who greet and who share and who are part of each other's lives. I am thankful that we can come and we can hug one another and put our hands on one another and share. I haven't seen much greeting with a holy kiss going around here, but that wouldn't be bad either. Somebody told me this morning that they were going to tell my wife that I was kissing a pretty girl. Well, the truth was that pretty girl was my wife. But we ought to share and be involved in each other's lives and touch one another and encourage one another and edify, build one another up in the faith. I am so thankful that we can do that in various ways and do think about God things in your life. So I told you this past week was a tough week for me and I felt I had a loser just stabbed across my life. But you know what? All I had to do was start to think about God things. I told Dave Eubank this morning that uh, sometimes a team gets on a losing streak. And it just discourages you. Have you been there? All you got to do is think about the winner you are in Jesus Christ. And recognize that in him he has given us everything that pertains to life and godliness. And we can share together in him and build one another up in the faith. And that just makes us the living stones that we are. To offer up spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Now, sometimes in our lives, we wonder how real our faith is. There are a lot of reproductions out there. There are a lot of things that we might look at and think are the genuine articles, but they really aren't. In fact, Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 13 that every once in a while we need to examine ourselves to make sure that we are in the faith. So how do you know that you have the real thing? Well, we certainly know the Scriptures tell us that, don't we? All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable, and we believe the Bible to be true. And so the Scriptures tell us that we have the real thing. Our Savior tells us we have the real thing. Amen? Jesus Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, was buried, and rose again the third. I ought to get an amen out of that, rose again the third day. Huh? Amen? He rose again the third day, and because we have a Savior, we know we have the real thing. We have his spirit, and it is his spirit that bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And we also understand that we have sanctified lives 
And many times the genuineness of our faith is worked out when we understand God is in control and bringing all things together for our good and for his glory. Amen? But the truth is, sometimes the genuineness of our faith is proved through suffering. And last week we started to study the theology of suffering. Because here in 1 Peter chapter 1, we find Peter helping us recognize that God has given to us some ways that we can understand he is at work in our lives. The verses are found in chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. Let's read these verses or say them together. Let's read them off the screen. That way we'll all be in the same translation, okay? All right, we'll start with the reference, then we'll read the verses, and then we'll finish with the reference. Here we go. 1 Peter 1, 6 and 7. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it be tested with fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. 1 Peter 1, 6 and 7. So God has given to us the assurance that even the testing of our faith is a good thing because it proves the genuineness of our faith. Now we looked at these verses last week and we found three truths. Truth number one is that trials are a part of life and so is grief. It happens, and there is no one in life who is not susceptible to trials and suffering. We learn that trials are designed to teach us, to teach us something for good. The work of God in man is the man. Think about that, will you please? The work in God of the woman is the woman. The work in God of the child of God is the child of God. God is trying to perfect his work in each of our lives. So God working in you, you are his work. Understand that, please. And God recognizes exactly what you and what I need in order for his work to be accomplished so that we might come forth as gold. That's a good thing. And handled properly, handled properly, trials result in the praise, glory, honor when Jesus Christ comes back. It will be worth it all. I mean, this life is a very temporary thing. Now, there are many of you who have not been around in life as long as I have. There are a number of you who have been in, around in life a lot longer than I have. I kind of consider myself middle-aged. And I say that because my age is starting to show in my middle. Hmm? I'm working on it, Terry. I really, really am. I really, really am. Yeah, God's working on me. <laughs> but one day, all of us 
are going to leave this world. We may leave this world with the undertaker. There is sting in death. But thanks be unto God who gives us the victory even in death through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? We may leave this world by the uppertaker. Woohoo! I like roller coasters. And I can't wait for that one. Twinkling of an eye at the last trump. Dead in Christ shall rise first, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord. Woo! That's a glory kind of thing. And in our lives, we are going to understand that we can result in praise and glory and honor when Jesus Christ comes back, and that's our goal, right? So how do we deal with things until then? Well, we need to understand that genuine faith is tested faith. We need to understand that genuine faith is tried faith and that genuine faith is valuable faith. It's okay. It's not that you have a big L on top of your forehead. It's God at work perfecting us, challenging us, changing us, conforming us to the character of his son, Jesus Christ. And that's a good thing in our lives. Success in life, I said this last week, is not not having problems. Success in life is biblically handling the problems that you have. Hmm. You know anybody that doesn't have problems? I don't. But I do know those who are biblically handling their problems to the praise and honor and glory of God, developing the character of Christ and showing their genuineness as they recognize God challenging and changing them. And God is at work. Last week we looked into Romans chapter 5 and there we discovered that suffering does have a purpose. And we recognize that that purpose is that we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We looked into James chapter 2 and found out that unpleasant does bring maturity. Yeah, that's right. You grow when you're stressed a bit. And we discovered that it's all about the finished work of Christ. For he endured the cross, despising the shame, and is now set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, Peter, Peter knows something about trials. Remember Peter? His mother-in-law was sick, healed by Jesus. Peter didn't want Jesus to go to Jerusalem because Christ had said, if I go to Jerusalem, they're going to kill me. Peter felt abandoned at the cross. And Peter was gathered for fear of the Jews and jailed for his preaching. Peter knows something about trials. Peter knows something about failure. (laughs) Do you remember what happened when he got out of the boat and took his eyes off Jesus? I mean, you talk about a failed mission. Peter understood what it meant to deny the Lord three times. But Peter also knew what it was to finish well. You read the book of Acts and you discover that Peter preached at Pentecost. 
you discover that even though Peter was jailed for his representation of Jesus Christ, he had boldness. Peter was the one who went to the Gentiles after he saw the sheep that was let down. Peter knew what it was to finish well. And so his counsel to us ought to have some value because he's been there, done that, and been a success in the midst of it. This morning, I want us to go through 1 Peter. And I trust that we're going to be able to find six principles that will help us with suffering. Now, my goal is not to exegete these passages. We will get to them again. My goal is to outline these truths for our lives so that as Peter, we can finish well. And we can understand that even when we struggle and even when there are things in our lives that we just soon wouldn't be there. And even when we think we're losers, God has a plan to make us successful as we biblically handle the problems that come our way for his honor and for his glory. And what does he say? The trying of our faith, though tested by fire, proves how genuine it is. Peter knows something about that. Turn to 1 Peter chapter 2, will you please? 1 Peter chapter 2. Look with me beginning in verse 19. 1 Peter 2, 19. For this is a gracious thing when, mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it if when you sin and are beaten for it, and you endure? But if, when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. Now, as I read that passage of Scripture, there were a couple of things that jumped out in my mind that I didn't think went with suffering. Look with me in verse 18 or 19, beginning of the verse. Gracious thing. Look with me down at verse 20. Gracious thing. Now, you may have a King James Bible, and the King James interprets those phrases, thankful and acceptable. But they come from the word charis, which is grace in the, Old, in the New Testament Greek. So the proper translation is, these are gracious. Have you thought about God's grace recently? Have you thought about God's grace in relationship to suffering in your life, trials in your life? Now we think about God's grace as it relates to salvation, don't we? For the grace of God, Titus 2, that brings salvation hath appeared to all men. We're familiar with Ephesians 2, for by grace are we saved through faith, not of ourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. We know John chapter 1, where the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we behold his glory, the glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and full of truth. We understand those things. But have you thought about grace as it relates to suffering and struggles and trials in your life? Peter said it's a gracious now, remember Peter's background. He got out of the boat, took his eyes off of Jesus, and started to sink. And what did Jesus do? 
That's right, Terry. He picked him up. He reached out his hand, and he didn't let him go under. He picked him up. That was grace. Now, grace is God giving to us what we do not deserve. And what did Peter deserve? He deserved to sink. I mean, one of two things should have happened. Either he shouldn't have gotten out of the boat to begin with. Should have had better sense than that, right? Or he shouldn't have taken his eyes off of Jesus. But Jesus graciously picked him up and he didn't drown. Think about that. Peter denied the Lord three times. Remember that? And after that event, he met with Jesus following the resurrection. And you remember what Jesus told him to do? He said, feed my sheep. He said, Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. That was grace. He could have said, Peter, you no good denier. But he didn't. It was God's grace that worked in Peter's life where God met him where he was and was able to encourage him and minister to him. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, his grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in weakness, therefore most gladly I would rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore I take pleasure in my infirmities, sufferings, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distress, for Christ's sake, for when I am weak I am strong. Think about that. Now Peter says something interesting in in these verses. He says if you suffer because... You did something wrong, you deserve to suffer. Hmm. That's true. If you're speeding and you get pulled over and get a ticket, you deserve the ticket. It's easy for you to say, Vern. I had to go to Shipshawana yesterday, left about 7 o'clock in the morning, got home about 5.30 at night. And I did not meet a new friend along the way. You know there's a way to do that? Drive 55. Or 35 or 45. Whatever is on that white sign. Make sure that that number matches what's on your dashboard. There's a, I've learned that. Some of you haven't learned that yet. It may be an expensive lesson. But Peter says here in our text, for what credit is it, verse 20, for what credit is it if when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? Well, big deal. But if you do good and suffer for it and you endure, this is a gracious thing. Have you ever heard the phrase, no good deed goes unpunished? You ever think that's true in your life? Boy, I've thought that. But Lord, don't these people know how much I've supported them, how much I've prayed for them, how much I've tried to encourage them, how much I've taken my time to invest in But Lord, and it doesn't seem to matter a bit. (laughs) You know what I've discovered? That's not my job. 
That's God's job. I am to do what God tells me to do when God tells me to do it, and the rest is up to him. Amen? And I am thankful that he keeps a permanent record of those things. We find God's grace. And we discover in God's grace that sometimes we suffer justly. But sometimes it's God's grace working in our lives to challenge us and change us and conform us to the character of our Christ. We read through verse 20. Will you look at verse 21 with me in the same text? For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you. Wow. Leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. Yeah, I don't like that. But it's true. Christ suffered And the example is that we should follow in his steps. Now, a lot of times we put that WWJD bracelet on, right? I have a hat that says WWJD on it. And we think that's asking a question in our lives, what would Jesus do? And it does. But the reality is, it should also be, how did Jesus respond to suffering? He left us an example on how to handle it. When he was reviled, he reviled not again. Hmm? He didn't take it out on Facebook. He didn't complain to anyone who would listen. He didn't put him in a position trying to justify what had just happened to him. He never dimmed his light. And the salt always penetrated society from him. And that was all God's grace. Later in Peter, we'll get to chapter 5 where it says, Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. You know that little chorus? Huh? I cast all of my care upon you. Join me. I lay all of my burdens down at your feet. And any time I don't know what to do, I will cast all of my care upon you. In suffering, we can find God's grace. Amen? And His grace is sufficient for us. I had some problems with my computer. My wife used it last night. <laughs> True, she used it, but that is not the reason I had problems with the computer. Happy Valentine's Day, dear. 
Oh, been there before, be there again. All right. <laughs> Chapter 3, please. Chapter 3, verse 14. But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. The next principle is that we end up blessed. Even if you suffer for righteousness' sake, that's a good, God blesses you for that. And I want to be in a place of God's blessing. And I know that God, in a very special way, is able to take all of this stuff and work it together for my good and for his glory. And I know in a very special way, he is able to develop his plan in my life. Remember what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount? Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And then he said, blessed are you. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. The word blessed has the idea of being fulfilled, prosperous, satisfied, happy. This is a spiritual state for those who suffer persecution because their righteous lives are prosperous. And then what does it say? Be not afraid of their terror. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. We end up blessed. Hebrews chapter 13 puts it this way. I will never leave you nor forsake you, so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. What shall I fear that man shall do to me? Oh, to be happy in Jesus? What do you have to do? Trust and obey. For there's no other way. We are blessed even when we discover that there is suffering that takes place in our lives. Even when we feel that things are spiraling out of our control. You remember what the psalmist said in Psalm 1? Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. Why? For his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in this law he... Meditates, very good, day and night. And he shall be like a tree. And what's that tree like? It's planted by the rivers of water that brings forth fruit in its season. Its leaf also does not wither, and whatever he does is prosperous. Amen? Joshua was told this. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. But you shall meditate therein day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written therein. Trust and obey. That you may observe to do according to all that is written therein. And then you shall make your way prosperous. And then you shall have good success. You want to have a good life. And you want to be blessed. And you want to discover success. Understand that we can be blessed by a holy, sovereign, omnipotent God. No matter what's going on. Because God can do that. Oh. 
I am so thankful that God is in control. Now, that was verse 14. Verse 15 says this. But in your hearts, honor Christ as Lord, as holy always being prepared to make a defense to everyone who asks you a reason of hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. Set Christ aside in your life as the perfecter and author of your salvation. I like what King James says, but sanctify the Lord God in your heart. This is how I memorize that verse. But sanctify the Lord God in your heart and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you a reason the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Let me tell you something. I have discovered that when I live a life that honors God even when I'm struggling, people don't get it. And they wonder, how in the world are you able to do that? I can't tell you the number of you folks who have come to me and said, Pastor, I don't know how you do what you do. The only way you can do what you do, the only way I can do what I can do, is understand that Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And it's all about who he is, not about who I am or what I'm going through. It's Jesus is Lord. Amen? But sanctify the Lord God. Now, when we get to this passage, this is for free this morning. This isn't costing you anything, all right? It's in part of the message. We're going to talk about how we can get people to ask us about the hope that is in us. I want you to think about that. Tomorrow, as you're going about your daily routine, think, how can I get somebody to ask me about my faith in Christ? There are some ways. I'll share just a couple with you. Again, this is free. Don't take this out of my preaching time. Somebody tomorrow will say to you, how was your weekend? Your response? I got to go to church and this is what God taught me. They just asked you about the hope that was in you. Somebody this week, if you strike up a conversation, may well ask you, what do you like to do? The answer I like to see God at work in my life, and this is what he's doing. I mean, there are ways that we can get people to ask us the question. Talking with one of our folks. I do this regularly in a restaurant. As the waitress comes to take my order, I say to that server, I guess it's not waitress anymore. I need to be politically correct, culturally correct. The server I will say to that individual, we're going to have prayer in just a moment. Is there anything I can pray with you about? Had one of our folks come and tell me that they did that this past week, and the server said, boy, nobody's ever asked me that question before. But Paul, they gave you something to pray about, didn't they? They were able to answer. Set Christ apart as Lord. 
verses 16 and 17 in the same passage. 1 Peter 3, 16 and 17. But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake. You remember what it said over in 2, if you suffer for what's wrong, you deserve to suffer. Here Peter says, even if, even if you suffer for righteousness' sake. We can have a good conscience so that when we're slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. Revilers will be put to shame when they see our good manner of life. true if we have a good conscience king james's conversation good behavior those who speak evil of us or those revilers falsely accuse us spitefully abuse us insult us put us to shame or try to put us to shame we can understand that god's in control and one day their mouths are going to be shut and their attitudes are going to be quieted and that's okay. You know what? If I suffer for what's right, I can sleep at night. I have a good conscience. It's okay. I did what God wanted me to do. Now it says in our text, verse 17, if that should be God's will. You ever think about God's will for your life? What is God's will for your life? Hmm? Well, God wants us to be saved, right? God is not willing, 2 Peter chapter 3, God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's why he sent his son to be our Savior. Amen? All right. You're saved. You're part of the family of God. What is God trying to do in your life? Make us more like Jesus. Exactly, Teresa. He is trying to conform us to the character of Christ. What was Christ like? He was the Son of God. He was the heir. He was the perfect example of who God is. That's what God's trying to do in our lives. We'll never get there, but that's what he's trying to do a little bit at a time. I got to tell you, I'm a different husband today than I was when I was 20 and Connie and I got married. I've learned a few things. There's some things I haven't learned. Like publicly saying she used my computer and it didn't work. <laughs> but Connie's learned a few things too. She's learned to be very gracious and merciful. <laughs> Happy Valentine's Day, dear. 
You know, one of the greatest things about Valentine's Day for me is that my wife is allergic to flowers. <laughs> Somebody said chocolate works too. But I'm a different husband today than I was when we got married. Young kid, I knew absolutely nothing. We were so naive. I hope I'm a different child of God than I was when I got saved as a, as a little kid at four. I'm a hope I'm a different child of God than I was when I celebrated my last birthday. Why? Because I want my life to put those who would revile me to shame. Because one day I'm going to have to stand before God and give an account for me, not for them. And that's the way it is. Well, I had the goal of getting through six responsibilities. I'm not going to do that. But the other three are up there. Maybe we will look at them next week. Uh, nobody's given me permission, but that's what we're going to do. Because I think these truths are important. Success in life is not not having problems. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man, but God is Faithful is the answer. I'm going to quote that again, and I want the answer. Your response is faithful, okay? There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man, but God is faithful. Amen. Amen. Who will not suffer us to be tempted, suffered above that we are able. God knows your breaking point. But will with the temptation, the suffering, the problem, the trial, the struggle, also make a way of escape, and don't forget this part, that you may be able to bear it. He always helps us carry the load. That's why we can cast all of our care upon him. We can lay all of our burdens down at his feet, and any time I don't know what to do, I can cast all of my care upon him, on you, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your work in our lives today. Pray that you would just work in a very special way for your honor and for your glory. Challenge us, change us, conform us to Christ. For it is in his precious name.